0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times.
1: Welcome to Asian Insider, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Nirmal Ghosh. We have had a busy month in Asia, the highlight of which was an over three-hour meeting in Bali, Indonesia, on the occasion of the G20 between President Xi Jinping of China and President Joe Biden of the United States. It was a long-awaited meeting, given the tension between the two powers and the fact that they had not actually met face-to-face since President Biden took office, almost two years. And relations had really plunged, making a lot of other countries, including in Southeast Asia, very nervous indeed. In the event, the two agreed essentially to restore dialogue across a range of issues, which had been suspended by China after a controversial visit to Taiwan in August by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, now outgoing Speaker of the House. With me today to discuss this meeting, which really was geopolitically probably the most important single meeting of the year, uh, Murray Hebert and Curtis Chin. Murray is a former journalist whom I, in fact, used to read even before I became a foreign correspondent myself, currently a senior associate at the Center for Security and International Studies, the CSIS, here in Washington, D.C., and also head of research at Bauer Group Asia. And Curtis is a former U.S. ambassador to the Asian Development Bank, now chair of the Milken Institute's operations in Asia. And he is at this moment sitting in my old once-upon-a-time home, Bangkok. Thank you both for coming on Asian Insider. Thank you. So, Curtis, may I start with your assessment of U.S. engagement at Bali and the Xi Biden summit in particular. What are your views and what are you hearing in the region?
0: Well, first, let me just say that how great that it happened. Uh, you know, just uh, I'm sorry, Zoom just doesn't cut it. You know, they had talked uh, by video in the past, um, but I just came from Bali uh, and the, both the B twenty and the G twenty. And indeed, I really that that meeting kind of replaced the actual G twenty as the center of attention. You know, if I were to sum it up, I'd say you know a small. But very positive step. You know, it's not about breakthroughs. It's not about new agreements. It's about these two leaders getting together and talking about things. You know, both stuck kind of with their positions. You know, regarding some of the topics that you've just raised. You know, the tough ones: uh, Taiwan uh, in this region, the U.S.-China rivalry. You know, no one gave up anything. But for me, it was respectful. And right there, that's a positive just thing. The tone of the conversation above and beyond, if there was any great content that came out of it. So, indeed, a, a good meeting, but a, a small positive step uh, in this such an important relationship for the world, uh, not just US and China.
1: Absolutely. Murray, as Curtis said, fundamental positions did not change in Bali. And that was not a surprise. Everything is still there. The US has new export controls implemented on October 7 that will restrict the PRC's ability to obtain advanced computing chips and so on, develop supercomputers, uh, advanced uh, semiconductors, and so forth. Uh, These are to uh, crimp its ability to use all this in advanced military systems, a whole array of other tactics, decoupling included, of course. China is also not in good shape economically. And to Beijing, this looks like containment, possibly because it is containment.
2: What are your thoughts? Well, very much uh, the CHIPS Act that you're referring to, which was to to exclude China from receiving uh, high-end semiconductor semiconductors, not only for military equipment but for other uh, scientific technological advances like AI and and, and other areas are now going to be prohibited, which will obviously have a big impact on China, which, just came out of a party congress about a month ago, and one of the things that they talked about was the need to boost technological and scientific uh, advances and developments. So China views this very negatively. Uh, It is coming at a time when the economy is slowing down, faces headwinds from the slowdowns around the world due to energy and food prices. And so China says, you know, this violates the world trade organizations, the regulations, and uh, is really protesting quite vociferously. But in the end, uh, you hear some Chinese say, well, maybe this is good for us. We're, if we're going to not be able to depend on the U.S., we'll have to depend on ourselves. So we'll have to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Curtis, back to you for a moment. The Republican Party here at home in D.C. has a majority in the House, a narrow one, but a majority nonetheless, how will that influence U.S. policy on China and Taiwan going forward? We've already seen China hawks like Senator Marco Rubio, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who may even try and run for the nomination in '24, And they've been very critical of President Biden after this uh, meeting in Bali. How tough is it going to be for the president, who will also be under pressure from a bunch of investigations as well from the House? How difficult is it going to be with him to manage the U.S.-China relationship, we saw what one visit from the head of his own party could do.
0: You know, an intriguing question, because the reality is that whether or not the Republicans have this slim, really totally slim, uh, majority in the U.S. House of Representatives, there was very little space between Republicans and Democrats, at least in the attitude and tone uh, what they think of China. You know, no one in these this past midterm elections was running to be softer on China. But indeed, what will change is that indeed it could be harsher uh, than uh, President Biden had hoped for. But as you noted, it need not just be from Republicans, as we saw with, you know, outgoing Speaker Pelosi's uh, visit. Um, what was so great again about the Bali-Xi Jinping-Biden uh, meeting was they resumed some of this uh, ongoing dialogues on issues like climate. But it was China that decided to break it off. Because of Speaker Pelosi's visit, we may well have the next speaker travel on to Taiwan. And that trip could well be like past trips a group of Congress people who are both Republicans and Democrats. You know, Nancy Pelosi's trip was just Democrats, but typically there have been many congressional delegations uh, to uh, China, not always the speaker but they have included both Republicans and Democrats. What might change though, also uh, given that it's moved into the crazy cycle of our to the presidential elections is it will be very politicized in the sense that will Republicans choose to use their slim majority in the House to criticize uh, President Biden simply in a way to hurt his chances for reelection should he decide to go for
1: a second term. Murray, any thoughts on that same, uh, that same topic?
2: No, I, I, I very much agree with, with Curtis, but the other thing that could happen is the uh, Congress could pass the Taiwan Policy Act, and that is, uh, will again irritate Beijing. It calls for uh, increasing security assistance to Taiwan and in, in case of uh, Chinese aggression against Taiwan. It calls for sanctioning Chinese officials and banking, banking institutions. So there are probably other things in the hopper yet that the U.S. could do that are going to irritate China and cause the relationship to go into a bit of a, more of a funk.
1: Yeah, the White House so far has been somewhat a moderating influence
2: on Congress. That'll get a little tougher, right? Right, that'll be tougher, especially if you have House of Representatives run by a, a Republican, rather than somebody from his own party, the Democrats. Yeah. Find us on
0: Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode.
1: While I'm with you, Murray, could you give me your take on how Southeast Asia, how Southeast Asia is placed to navigate this going forward. I mean, on one level, you could say that Southeast Asia is in a pretty happy position in some ways. I mean, China is wooing Southeast Asia, so is is the United States. There's supposed to be ASEAN centrality and all of that, right? Murray, your thoughts?
2: Right. Both sides are very actively wooing. We've we've seen that at at the ASEAN meeting that happened in Phnom Penh uh, just before the Bali G20 summit. Uh, Xi Jinping was offering to upgrade the trade relations. They already have a free trade agreement between China and us, and he offered to upgrade it. Probably that was an attempt to you know, offer some a counterpart to the Indo-Pacific economic framework that the Biden administration unveiled in the middle of this year. But the thing that you feel when you talk to Southeast Asians, they're very anxious about the, the tense relations between China and the U.S., Taiwan really made the the Nancy Pelosi visit and China's shrill reaction uh, really made them very anxious. You know, the Philippines, for example, is just really right next door to Taiwan and could easily be a victim of some kinetic actions between the two countries. And so ASEAN officials have constantly been reminding the two superpower leaders that that you really we really would like to not see any any military action we don't want to see a bifurcation of the uh, the economies either they're very worried that with the us stopping sending semiconductors china's going to go off in its own direction and then we're going to have a bifurcated kind of digital world two digital worlds so they would really like to see the two two superpowers uh, cooperating much more although they recognize why there's tension a lot of competition. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Curtis, one last uh, last word from you on that same theme. You're sitting over there and you just come from Bali. What is your view on uh, Southeast Asia and, you know, specifically ASEAN going forward? How much agency do they, the Southeast Asia have?
0: Well, I think if I would say who's ahead, I mean, the reality right now, China is ahead in terms of economic engagement. But this is America's opportunity, should it choose to take it. You know, Southeast Asia, what is this sum? Uh, 700 million people, more than $3 trillion in, in GDP, 10 nations, and hopefully soon with uh, the agreement to allow in timor let's say 11 nations... The United States needs to up its economic game. Uh, There's great strides with these kind of new iterations militarily. You know, people talk about the Quad, AUKUS. So great initiatives from the United States. But at the end of the day, people here in Thailand and Indonesia and Singapore, they just want a better life. They just want peace. They want to move forward. They don't want to choose, you know, between the U.S. and China. And they want to have a, a clear message to the world that one reason you invest, you're engaged, you visit, you're involved in Southeast Asia it's because of Southeast Asia, such great opportunity. It's not because of, oh, it's U.S. versus China. That helps us parry China. Uh, oh, the U.S. is coming in here. Oh, we, China, got to do more. And I think this is a message that came so clearly across, you know, when I was in uh, Bali for the uh, G20 and even now here in APEC. And before that, I was at a Road to ASEAN meeting in Cambodia. You know, this is a region on the move and it's on the move in a way that it should be embraced for itself and its opportunity, not just because ah, that's that's where we got to be now to counter the U.S. Uh, or China. Uh, one thing I would just note out of uh, Bali, you know, President uh, uh, Widodo Jokowi you know, wanted the, this event, this G20. He wanted the Indonesian presidency to underscore that yeah, Indonesia really is a wonderful, amazing place. And my hope is that one legacy of the G20. Uh, I remember Indonesia becomes the host of ASEAN next year is that this is indeed a country that's so important that just doesn't get enough attention. And so let's hope that continues post-G20.
1: Absolutely, excellent points. Thank you very much. Curtis Chin, Murray Heber, thank you for coming on Asian Insider with me today. That nicely wraps this discussion up for the Asian Insider podcast. I'm your host, Nirmal Ghosh. Join me and my expert guests for the next episode on the fourth Friday of every month.